Freddy, the innkeeper. This is home. No, and this is home. Yeah. Let's give him applause, Freddy. Started five minutes ago. Actually, oh, it did. I didn't realize. Exactly. Disciplining. No, I didn't trick you. That's what I was saying. I don't know how much I'm gonna cut out and post. Oh, no God. one said anything incriminating or anything. Okay. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen at home, this is yet another episode of the Innkeeper's Guest Book. I am the illustrious Innkeeper Freddie, coming to you live from Washington, D.C. 1114 and 1112 Third Street, Northeast. Steps from Union Station. Nice brisk walk from Capitol Hill. What's the zip code? Two zero 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 two. Oh no, like up area code. Oh, two zero two. <laughs> That's funny. Anyways, so um, I have no, 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 no. Actually, I have several laughs. I got the deep hearted. <laughs> I got the ha ha ha. Like chortle. when it's when it's and like ha, ha, yeah. That's yeah. Right. And there's a lot of times I just say That's funny. That's when, <laughs> you should have like um like those uh, DJ things like. Have you watched like the interviews last on like, Oh yeah, with like, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I know. Minu's got a girl. Minu's got a girl. Don't be like... Minu, come on. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Because you played yourself. Let's yeah. move forward. Listen to Ibra? Uh, sometimes. I don't, I don't listen to like the actual radio. Because um, I'm not in New York. But YouTube, YouTube. Yeah, I see the YouTube. Um, the ones I'm, I'm heavy on right now. Decent and Mero. I love them. The Bodega Boys. Yeah, they're really, really, really good. And the thing about it is that they're very intelligent as well. But, um... I enjoy E-Bro. Okay, E-Bro. Graham Norton, though? I don't like Graham Norton. Rosenberg is all right. Like, E-Bro is like... See, no, Rosenberg's actually from the Sierra. He looks I feel like he's a little biased. I mean, everyone's biased already. He's published a book of fiction. I don't think that's bad. He's an author. He's like a renaissance man. He's a dynamo. No, 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 you're right. Um, but yeah, so... And bring it in. Right. So, um, this is actually the first podcast I've done outside in the backyard patio. Um, hopefully, five, ten years from now, it's going to be a whole lot more nice and we have a greenhouse with trellis and roses. Yeah. But now we're no, just. No, we're setting on. goals. We're setting goals tonight. Setting goals tonight. I love that. I love that. Okay. Facts. All right. So, let's, let's go around. I'm at, call it 12 o'clock. Who's my one o'clock? No, what, what's your name? Oh, uh, my name is Min. Min? Oh, yeah. All right. We got it uh, about 4 o'clock. Yeah, okay. Um, about, so my oh, life. No, no, he's 4 o'clock. I mean, for me, it's like. It's no, from you. him. Oh, so I'm 12 o'clock. One. <laughs> one. Yeah. Three? So you're done four. talking four. now. Okay, four. Minu. So I'm 4 o'clock, also known as Guahan Choi. All right. Can you spell your name? All right, who we got it up? Uh, 5.15. 5.15, my name is Stephanie. All right. Stephanie. Sir, we have a new entrant directly at my six. Uh, I'm Victor Nguyen. All right. Ooh, last name. We got it at 7.30. My name's Joanna, also known, known as Joe. Okay. Oh, oh, my brother's name Joe. Joe. Nice to meet you. Shout out to him. <laughs> All right, I guess he's nine. At nine, my name is Young Wun Han, also known as Young Wun Han. <laughs> All right. <laughs> at 10, 10. I'm Sophia. Sophia. All righty. Um, so, they all came down to D.C. Uh, on both business and pleasure. So... Help me understand, and the viewers understand home. Um, brass tax. What's the acronym that begins with the N? Noxet. Noxet. What is that? Rec what is that? Oh acronym? gosh. National. National Korean American Service and Education Consortium. Damn, I was and, good. And so, is everyone here a part of that, or is that one of the organizations? Which one of the organizations? Okay. So, what are some of the other organizations that have come to town? 
We're also representing New York Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund, otherwise known as ALDEF, which is the oldest national civil oh rights organization that Two serves points. Asian Americans on the Northeast. Okay. All right. Any others? Wikipedia. I okay. technically <laughs> represent myself because I'm not directly affiliated okay. with one of these organizations yet. Okay. But hopefully soon. Right. I'm also a civilian ally. Hey. Yeah, there we go. Uh, all right. And you got a civilian ally here as well. I do I do what I can. Nice. Yeah. Um, Appreciate that. So uh, in D.C., was it just like a, a, a rendezvous or was there a specific like vote on Capitol Hill or was there a specific mm-hmm. event that was happening that caused D.C. to be the area or was it just like, hey, we're, we're going to come to D.C. and we're going to. I think Sophia, Sophia can explain. All right. So our organizations are all members of the Value Our Families campaign. Okay. Um, we're a pretty, uh, it started in the Asian American community, but now we're a multiracial coalition across the country um, of civil rights and nonprofit organizations that are fighting to protect the future of undocumented immigrants in this country. Um, as well as preserve our family-based immigration system and ensure that um, ICE and um, CBP um, um, stop separating families and terrorizing families and individuals at the border. Where do we stand on the Dreamers? So I am a Dreamer myself. Okay. So the way we stand is demanding a pathway to citizenship while not uh, putting my family at risk. Okay. So yeah, we are. I think this is a unique space where the movement is led by affected people. Yeah. So we are very much with the dreamers. Okay. So, in terms of like the status of mm-hmm. current legislation, right? Um, are we days, weeks, months away from that drastically changing? We might be a week away from it, <laughs> um, but sure. a, but at the same time, since. November of 2016 we thought we were days or weeks away from it so now it's been just like a game of terror that's been terrorizing our communities and dragging this out for over a year so we're ready for whatever comes and our fight won't stop because of it because even before November we've been waiting actually since 2001 that's mm-hmm. when the dream act was supposed to pass mm-hmm. so we've been waiting 17 long years and so two, yeah so this act did not pass under Right, so in 2001 is when it was uh, introduced as the DREAM Act, and the uh, bill was drafted for a specific individual named, yeah, she already shared her story, named Teresa Lee, um, and it was drafted for undocumented young people. On September 11, 2001, that's when the bill was supposed to be signed, there were 62 Democrats who had already signed for it. They were about to get four more, which would have overridden a veto, and President Bush was ready to sign it. So she was at the airport ready to fly out to watch history happen when she got news that all flights were canceled. So 17 years later, we're now fighting for the Band-Aid, which was DACA. Okay, so the Dreamers Act, for those that don't know, right. a Dream formal Act. Defi- I'm right. sorry, Dream Act. Mm-hmm. What is a formal definition of that, or layman's terms, if that What is the acronym for DREAM? I don't even remember. I could probably remember if I did, but what it would be is, I think, so in the beginning, with Teresa Lee's story, for example, or even with mine before DACA came out, no one knew where to place people like us. We came here when we were children, um, and I don't like the term like through no fault of our own, um, but that's how it's been drafted. Um, so to how to place people that don't consider their quote home country is actually home. 
Um, and so I think for politicians with morals, um, like Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, who first introduced it, um, he was trying to find some type of way, and the way that he found it to try to please the other side was saying these people have done nothing on their own, um, and they're not at fault themselves. And so the age for people that qualify that is it under, seven, to, under 18? Right, you have to be 15 to apply, though they're no longer taking DACA initial applications. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to ask if you can elaborate on through no fault of your own, just for listeners who don't know. Oh, right, because uh, it was not my choice to move to America at age five. But it was, I, I, but I don't agree with that sentiment like fault, at all because it's not my parents' word. fault that they came. Yeah. They decided to come here either. Um, but with the with DACA currently, what it is is that you have to be fi you have to be 15 in order to apply. Though they're no longer taking initial applications, mm -hmm. um, and you have to have been in this country before you were 16. You have to have lost status, any type of immigration status, as of 2008, and you have to prove that you've been in this country continuously since 2012, since the day that it was passed, which is June 15th, 2012. Mm -hmm. That's so coming up, yeah. That is this Friday. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the transition from the Dream Act, Dream Act to DACA. To DACA. How so how, how did that, that happen? Yeah. Is that undocumented young people got fed up with the older people leading the movement that were not affected, and they, an undocumented youth, crafted DACA. So this is before at a period when President Obama thought it was absolutely illegal for him to pass any type of executive order like this. And it was undocumented young people who pushed him to do it. So it was an executive order? Yes, it's an executive order. And, and that's why Trump was able to cancel it. He promised that he would cancel it the first day in office. And that's why our communities were terrorized since then. Um, he canceled it on September 15 of 2017. And since then, there have been three federal court orders. Uh, district court orders, so from yeah New York and California to sue the government. So now that's why we're allowed to keep continuing to apply if we already have it. And what it does is protect us from deportation for two years and allow us to work. It gives me a work permit. But I have to keep renewing every two years, and it's a $500 fee. They do a criminal background check. Um, and the first time I applied, I had to send in every single document that showed that I had been in this country since June 2012. Okay. So it has to cover every single month. Um, so as of now with the court orders, the most recent one came from DC and it said, um, and it came out in April and said the Trump administration did not have a justifiable, justifiable reason to cancel DACA. So their order was to allow people to, uh, who had never applied before, if they're eligible to be able to apply for the first time since that was canceled since Trump canceled DACA in September. Um, but the catch for that is that order is not in effect and the judge is giving the Trump administration 90 days to come up with a better reason. So it's basically a second chance to come up with a better reason to finally get rid of DACA. And that deadline is July 23rd, I believe. Okay. But something might happen next week. So many uh, tangents of things that I want to go on. Um, <laughs> so from a legal standpoint, completely, it's an executive order though, right? Mm -hmm. So, if it's an executive order, the president still has to provide justification as to why they're doing the executive order? Why they're canceling the executive order. So it's the un... Right, it's undoing it's the executive order done by President Obama. Ah, okay. Right. So, could he theoretically make his own executive order outside of Obama's executive order to undo, to basically... You see what I'm saying? Like, right. cancel... Would he legally be able order. to do that? I mean, I think that's what he's, order. yeah. Could he legally do that? 
I don't know about the legality of if it's whether or not he's revoking an executive order or creating a new executive order, but I think what's happened under Trump's administration, even outside of the immigrant rights movement, is that we're, uh, we're trusting on local and state courts, like district courts, to be able to um, preserve these rights for us. Okay. So it's no longer relying on the Trump administration to do anything for us, but local and regional government doing their part. Okay. So... Um, I know one of the big battlegrounds for climate change uh, is California. And that's because I believe California is going to be uh, enacting their own state rules that are going to supersede any federal rules for climate change. Is it possible that that could be a route for DACA, where each individual state comes up with their own that override the federal statute. It's happening in terms of, like in New Jersey and Connecticut, there is uh, financial aid available okay. for uh, regardless of status. So I think in those terms, but there's no way for a state to provide citizenship. Uh, um, so it's in small ways, like in New York, if you have DACA, you can apply for Medicaid. Um, and in New Jersey and Connecticut, they just passed where if you're undocumented, you can still apply for fina federal financial aid. But the catch is that the federal government can then not give them any federal money. So it's only possible for rich places like New York City and other places to really be sanctuary cities. Yes, so I'm glad you brought up sanctuary cities. So please define what a sanctuary city is. So a sanctuary city should be somewhere where the local police and federal immigration officials are not working together. Okay to like process people who enter local jails faster into federal detention. Okay, yeah. okay. So I guess in sanctuary cities, it's kind of like the state. Right, exercising their rights. Yeah, yes, exactly. To not cooperate with the federal government. Gotcha, mm -hmm. okay. All so right. we saw that with like Affordable Care Act and then they were punished by President Obama then saying we're not gonna give you state funding then. Mm -hmm. So it happens so on it's both just, sides. it's like right. tariffs, if you will. Right, and yeah. Rather than dealing with the actual issue, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, let's go forward. Let's just say um, the repeal of DACA moves forward. What happens day two? For me, day two, we start opening up banks for ourselves, for, for our, not waiting for the federal government to do stuff, so like just starting our own shit, starting our own banks to give undocumented people loans. Um, pushing schools to get federal uh, to get financial aid, so that's that's what I would do. I don't know. Uh, does anyone else have plans on day two? Crying. Um, being <laughs> Realistically, day crying, being really, really <laughs> upset. Yeah. yeah. From the federal side, though, are we talking like we're going to see CNN with just? So I mean, on a federal, I mean, on a legal level, they can't just automatically rescind it. What they can do, the fastest way they can rescind it is by they have to do a paper notice, and it would be two weeks before your DACA is rescinded. So for example, my DACA expires in July 2018. So if it were, I'm sorry, this is 2019. Okay. Um, and if it were, if let's say Trump tomorrow, or tomorrow let's say DACA was canceled, the only way they could do it is USCIS, United States Citizenship of Immigration Services, um, the place that adjudicates DACA, agency that adjudicates DACA applications would have to send a paper mail to every single DACA recipient. And so it would take two weeks, and that's 800,000 folks. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the fastest way. Most likely what it would do is let you ride out until your DACA is expired. And then it's not renewable. Right, not renewable. 
Yeah, I mean, the federal government would be essentially making 800,000 people vulnerable to deportation. Right. On top of the like 11 million who already are, so. And we think about the logistics yeah. and exactly. how the federal government moves. We just know that it's yeah. just a huge waste of everyone's time and money. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I know I definitely learned something, and I hope the viewers at home learned something. Um, what is something else that's a pressing issue outside of DACA? Also, can I just quickly mention while we were talking about DACA, there are people that are not protected by DACA also that we are working for. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so that's, yeah, that would answer yeah. the next question. Yes. Mm -hmm. So outside of... We should talk about the bike thing. That's exactly <laughs> the answer. It's so DACA only protects 800,000 people out of 11 million, right? Undocumented okay. folks. Right. Uh, undocumented folks inside the United States. Yes. Right. Okay. And so there's a young people who don't have DACA. There's a parents of DACA recipients yeah. who don't have any protection. Yes. There's TPS holder who this government you know, like we seen a lot of TPS right. holders from many different nations. TPS, TPS is temporary protected status. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's also um, in our country adoptees who don't have citizenship. Yeah, thirty-five thousand adoptees who are adopted by U.S. citizen families who don't have U.S. citizenship because their adoptive families or adoption agencies fucked up. And one of whom was deported back to yes. many of actually. Right. So, right. so, one that got yeah. so we're, right. we're saying that there were U.S. families that adopted someone, but because of a Paperwork. They didn't. Up. They didn't follow up with their paper. Yeah, too. or okay. adoption agencies didn't make clear what the citizenship process was. Okay. And so there are many adult adoptees who live in the U.S. without U.S. citizenship. So actually, in the year 2000 or 2001, they passed the Child Citizenship Act, which retroactively granted U.S. citizenship to many adoptees, but only if they were 18 or younger at the time. Mm -hmm. So that left tons of adult adoptees who were 18 or older at the time, many of whom are Korean American because there were many orphans after the Korean War who were adopted by U.S. citizen families um, who were left without a pathway to U.S. citizenship. So many are still living in this country without that pathway or have been deported already to Korea with no way of coming back to this country. Mm -hmm. And they're actually, so they introduced the Adoptee Citizenship Act of 2018, but the only thing about that is that it excludes people with criminal backgrounds. When in fact, like when these adoptees were adopted by U.S. citizen families, they should be able to stay here regardless of their criminal background. I mean, I think that goes true for any immigrant. Yeah. Like, well, who cares what your background is? Like, I mean, there are lots of white Americans here who fuck up all the time. They're still allowed to stay. Yeah. Exactly. Why do I have to be perfect in every single possible way to have to justify why I should stay here? You know, the the worst case scenario for. Um, international adoptees who um, are adopted into into U.S. families um, is the emotionally and physically abusive U.S. adoptive families um, because you already see there that uh, these parents are um, terrible people and part of the package of them being terrible is that they never followed up to make sure their child's paperwork was in order and so then you ask yourself is is this person who ha who you know has maybe a, a long list of trouble as a juvenile are they really responsible for all of the things they right. did when they were pulled away from their home country learned to speak another language into that's, an abusive household crazy. and they don't even have citizenship i mean what have we what who do we promise to protect if we don't promise to protect those children yeah, i mean true. that that is just the the so the, the crying shame yeah. So going on that, that is why Nakasak has launched this new campaign. <laughs> Call citizenship for all. Okay. That, well, we're not saying everyone who comes here 
should get a citizenship, but everyone who came here, who's here, deserve a pathway to citizenship. You know, we're saying every non-citizen who has been denied the opportunity to a pathway to citizenship should be given that. And we want to make clear that when we say full, when we say citizenship, we mean it in its broadest terms, the way the founding fathers imagined probably for white men during the time, right? Like there are a lot of people of color who live in the U.S. as U.S. citizens who are denied the most basic <laughs> of human rights. Yes. So we said we want a pathway to citizenship for all non-citizens. And when we say citizenship, we mean it in its fullest terms. They should be given the right to vote, the right to clean, healthy water, unlike people who are living in Flint, Michigan right now. Flint, yeah. Exactly. We mean it in every term that it was originally imagined when we thought of US, um, US citizenship and, as a concept. Yeah, it's so funny you brought up two things that are interesting. So I think one of the big issues, this is another one of those tangents, one of the big issues that's going to be for all people in America, whether citizens or not, is we haven't answered the question of, is America a nation of immigrants? Or is America a nation for the descendants of the forefathers? So actually, the U.S. government has clarified that for us. The United States Citizenship and Immigration Services has removed the quote, we are a nation of origins from their mission statement. So that when, answers when was your done? question a couple of months ago. Yeah. Totally got swept over, but that is no longer in the mission statement. So, so yeah. that's, that's, that's very that interesting. Shit, yeah. But I, I, I mean that more so from just a person-to-person -person basis like what is your internal belief on that and at some point every American is going to have to answer that and that's where the future of America is I going think to we lie. can just clarify for the average person listening to this podcast what do we think about the idea nation of immigrants I mean that's not completely correct yeah I mean like indigenous people lived here before any immigrant came here and then many people were forcibly brought over as slaves. So I don't, I mean, as an immigrant, I don't feel comfortable with the idea of talking about America as a nation of immigrants either. I think that leaves out a lot of people. Oh, okay. Yeah. So let me, let me, let, let, me yeah. let me clarify what I mean by yeah. that. When I say nation of immigrants, I'm saying that the country that we live in right now mm -hmm. is largely a Western culture uh -huh. right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, there were people that were here when first Dutch settlers arrived, or the first Spanish settlers arrived. Um, and at that time, those people were immigrants into the country. Mm -hmm. And at that time, immigrants have come, immigrants have come, immigrants have come, immigrants have come. Immigrants are colonizers. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think we want to bring those people into our family of immigrants. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm an immigrant. Yeah. Christopher Columbus is not a fucking immigrant. Okay. Um, I guess to to get to where I was going, uh, and I, I I'm 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 sorry if I'm no, not. No, oh, please. Okay. Um, I'm saying that at, then at some point, the Declaration of Independence was drafted, and these people said, "Okay, now we have this country, and this is what we believe." And at that point, those people said, "Okay, fine." And they were still slaves at that time, and they had descendants. Those people and their offspring are largely the beneficiaries of the system of America right now, whether directly or indirectly. There's still immigrants that have come into the United States. There's still colonizers that were from the past. I guess what I'm saying is what America is right now to me is a hodgepodge of numerous cultures. And I would argue that you would you don't get 
the hodgepodge that you get from America, from any other country. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's what makes us unique and special well, think, and wonderful. I think the difference is that not every country goes around to every country and says, we're the best. Your life isn't shit until you come move here. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the difference. Not only yeah. is that, but that <laughs> narrative suggests that the only reason the, the country right now today is because of the way it is. It's because mm-hmm. Europeans colonized it and because they were able to develop it in such a way. And that is to exclude the fact that maybe it, it wouldn't have been possible if Native Americans had, you know, developed it on their own, and whether or not slaves had been brought over. The point is that the mm-hmm. whole United States is a nation of immigrants framework. Mm-hmm. Where it falls apart is the fact that it ignores the fact that people were here before Europeans settled it. And not only that, it's that it was built mm-hmm. upon like the blood and sweat of slaves that were forcibly brought here. Mm-hmm. And they, they, aren't, they aren't immigrants, you know, they didn't come here seeking a better life, they were forced to. Yes. Mm-hmm. And to suggest that America was built on, every, on immigrants, which is a word, it's a phrase used by people, like rich white old men <laughs> today, to suggest that, oh, it was the Europeans, European immigrants that brought their like, immigrant skills over and developed America to where it is today, you know? Okay. I think versus that, it's more interesting to think of like an American history, legal history, like what is a citizen? You know what I mean? Like, if you look at immigration legal history and immigration laws, like, the first ever exclusionary law was excluding all Asian people with the Chinese Exclusion Act. Actually, specifically, the Page Act of 1875 excluded Chinese Chinese women because they thought they were all prostitutes. Talk about sexualizing Asian women. And also, then, with the stereotype of Asian men becoming, like, emasculate, you know? Wait, so... Please repeat the Page Act again. So it was the actually the very first exclusionary immigration law in the United States called the Page Act of 1875, where they denied Chinese women entry because they claimed that Chinese women were prostitutes who would come to corrupt white American men. And how long was this law in the books? This was in 1875. I don't know how long it was law for, since like there was a big overhaul of the immigration system in the 1900s. Okay. But that set up the grounds for the Chinese Exclusionary Act of 1882, which then set up ground for like the many, many exclusionary and immigration laws. In place till 1965. Yeah. The point is that after European colonization, the concept of illegal immigration never existed until they realized that people other than Europeans were settling into America. Once they realized that Asian or Asians or Africans were settling into America, that's when they, you know, decided to exclude certain people. And that's when the term illegal immigration even, you know, started to be circulated. Yeah, no, you're right. And I'm, I'm glad you all brought that up because semantics is extremely important. And my apologies for using nation of immigrants because no. I never, I never, no, I, I never thought about it that right. way in terms of the framework in which you're looking at what an immigrant is. Mm-hmm. So I guess if I were to rephrase that, how, what would be, do you understand the sentiment I was trying mm-hmm, to get at? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, what would be the correct mm-hmm. way to say that? Ooh. It's nation of Why of do we four need fo- to describe it as a nation of immigrants? I don't, I don't, I think we're like very stuck on that. Like before immigrants, I would have other words to describe. Yeah, that. that's what I'm asking. I'm saying if we want to mm-hmm. describe that other side, mm-hmm. that it represents the mm-hmm. amalgamation of cultures. Well, I think the point of like of, rich yeah. white men and excluding <laughs> everyone else. And America was built work. on people who were discriminated against uh, historically. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until that that discrimination was brought to light that, you know, white people decided to hijack the term immigration mm-hmm. so that they can, you know, spin it in such a way that it makes them look good while, you mm-hmm. know. Ignoring history. Yeah. I mean, we want to tell ourselves 
stories, right? We want to look at our horrific past and, and imbue it with some kind of value mm -hmm. because it would just be awful to, to, to admit. Why are we yeah. all here? Why are we right? here? Yeah, it's actually it, was a, it was one catastrophe, <laughs> one dis, you know, personal and social disaster after another, uh, after another that dragged people over here or that kept people forcibly here. Um, and the, the interesting thing, too, about this nation of immigrant story is that I, I have to say over the course of the past 100, 150 years, this definition of whiteness has expanded mm -hmm. itself as well, right? In, in order to um, include the people that have managed to build enough social and political and economic power. And they and didn't do that. And they Asian didn't do that by... Uh, by very politely and kindly, mm -hmm. you know, getting along with, you know, first the Dutch, the French, the Spanish, the English, uh, the, the Irish, Irish, and then the Italians. Right. You know, they, they got there by building their own uh, brotherhood and friendship associations, um, by, by purchasing passage by the hundreds and thousands um, for, for other refugees and other people like themselves um, to come to this country, right? Because they were like, this is as organic a way as ever to build the community that I need because I don't want to live here alone, even with all my money. You know, in, in 1880, there was a really wealthy um, banker whose family was from Eastern Europe, and they were Jewish. And obviously, with all of the pogroms, uh, they couldn't survive there. And so he took all of his money and gave out and pay, just bought tickets en masse for ship passageway for all of these refugees to flee so that he could save his people but also so he could build his community and I'm sure too so that he could you know um, run financial services for them <laughs> but the point is you know you were saying Stephanie about what are you gonna do on day two is build your own banks and the the, the story Right, the the true is story is that we we take what we want yeah. we don't kind of we politely it. build it by holding our hand out. Tammany Hall machine. Tammany <laughs> Hall. Tammany yes. Hall. This is so good that you our bring that up. Our pastor left us, everyone. <laughs> so the next question is, uh, when does the arm revolt start? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No! Where did our ready go? And no. <laughs> He's back, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, you know, oh, okay. yeah, you know, maybe in this break we can think about calling some people tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what to, happened to, to your paper of questions, Freddie? Oh, we're, we're, we're yeah, fuck that. No. fuck that, oh, fuck that, fuck that. No, so we're end, we're so much more expensive we're, than no, that. No, so we're thirty-two minutes into the podcast. Most wow. of the time, they run about maybe an hour. Wow. And so, typically around the 40, 45 minute mark oh, is where wonderful. it's like, okay, wrap it up. And mm -hmm. Okay, oh, good. <laughs> so, but I am interested in the bike. Yes, the bike. I was just going to say. Yeah. Because somebody has a shirt on it, too. So, what, what's going on with the bike? <laughs> so, so I explained about the Citizenship for All campaign. Um, so, the way we do launch that cam big campaign is by um, launching this uh, bike tour. Okay. So, it's, uh, it's called Journey to Justice. Um, it goes from Seattle to San Diego, and we specifically chose this route because it's border to border. So we're gonna take ten quad riders, um, preferably yeah, dream riders. impacted impacted mm -hmm. people. Um, but so it's gonna be more than ten because you know people come in and out um, as they can. But ten dream riders will ride from day one to day thirty-seven 
to San, uh, San Diego. And so there are a few goals that we have set up, um, one of them being develop a new leaders um, among the core writers, but also to bridge the gap between the people of the towns that we go by, which he, a lot of them is very rural and conservative. And, you know, like a lot of news they get is through the very biased media and they don't really know the face of people who are impacted by this, you know, race rhetoric. So we're going to go visit and share our stories, but also hear their stories and, you know, let the people know that we are people, we have faces, we have names, you know, we have stories. Okay, so you all talked about sponsorships before. How many people are on this bike? bike um? We're going for 10. We have um, gathered eight people so far. Okay, so when everything's said and done, you thought about reaching out to Airbnb and saying, hey, look, if you, if you agree with our <laughs> mission, right. why don't you partner us with, at each city that we're going to go yeah. to, people at Airbnb, and we'll, have, we'll stay at their places. It did came up once, I think, when we were looking for like pos uh, potential sponsors. Mm -hmm. But also, uh, so a lot of places that we reach out for our lodging is uh, either a community center or churches, like a lot of the local places, okay. because we want to really meet them and engage with them. Okay. So, I mean, Airbnb, I think it's nicer <laughs> as far <laughs> as the like the place we stay though. Yeah. But we, I think it, it's gonna limit us in our capacity to like personally meet. right connect yeah. with people well, we are so. looking for other sponsors right <laughs> a lot of uh, so already uh, to name drop a few fuji <laughs> fuji bike manufacturer gave us 30 percent discount Ooh. which is ooh, you know nice uh, rei promised us to give 20 percent discount oh, yeah. which is nice you know stuff like that <laughs> mm -hmm. which is nice can i ask a question <laughs> yes sir so let's say that as a result of the bike ride that you do mm -hmm you are able to gain exposure to where CNN, MSNBC, and all of these networks wants to interview the, 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 the main executive board who put together this whole bike tour. Would that be a positive thing? Would that be a positive thing? Yes. That itself, I don't think it's neither positive or negative. Yeah. It's how we handle the situation right. i guess so i right. think this is like doing a different because we do media yeah. like we do interview with media but it's like meeting the people face to face so that the media can't control the narratives that we tell but we are also pretty good at controlling our own narrative and the media and i think that's why we've gotten this far to begin okay. with and have gotten public approval Sorry, really quick, website is www.godreamwriters.org. <laughs> oh, Please check us out there. And if you've got a chance, call your member of Congress at 202-224-3121 and ask them to pass a clean dream act now. Again, the number is? 202-224-3121. And the website is? www.godreamwriters.org. But nothing but a clean dream act. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question. I live in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. Would it, Eleanor Holmes Norton is our shadow senator. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Would calling her do anything? Honestly. 
I'll say I'll say yes for now because I think it's better than the alternative, which is not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that at least as a member of Congress, she can at least have the power to speak with other members of Congress about it. Um, so yes, if you live in D.C., please do call anyways, um, and encourage your family members who live in other states to call as well. You want to get to the questions? All right. Where's the paper? We got the paper. All right. So we got, we got the question. Look at, I mean, this is, oh, okay, I was wet here, but still. No, 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 you feel the paper. Is, that's humidity. That is crazy. That's all humidity. All right. Um, so for, for, for those listening for the first time, the end of every podcast, you have seven questions. We're going to run through them, and we're going to ask each individual person to give their own response. So, number one, will be the book that I need to add to the library. And so, what I want to do in the future, um, actually, I I need to figure out a way to digitize this, but ideally what I'd like to do is have you write two sentences or a sentence about what it is about the book that you like. And then, when I get the book, I'll put it in a post-it note on the inside. And so, it's like if you read the book. So, then we can find books in there that, like that already? So I have uh, in my house. Oh, it's in your yeah. library. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so that's the thing. I mean, I, I go right it's now. for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you act like it's things. for the guests. It's just for you. No, no, no. no. So <laughs> I, that room right there is uh, for Airbnb as well. Oh, for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and, you know, at some point, hopefully, I want to combine, yeah, combine uh, the two and maybe go up with the Innkeeper's a Lending Library. Wow. Yes. Beautiful. Um, and so, but yeah, the, the original plan for that house where the, the um, dining table is, mm-hmm. uh, that wall that's bare, uh, that would be like the uh, most restoration hardware guy, the, you know, one of the, the eight foot by oh, wow. along that whole wall. Problem is the depth to it, it's meaning a like wall. 24 feet off of it. Oh, I'm sorry, 24, 24 inches, inches yeah, off of it. And uh, the houses are pretty narrow. I mean, yeah. brick to brick, it's 11 2. So, and then the actual dining table is five, five or six feet. I can mm. say it like you said, you have to get right, back. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's tight. You know? So I need to figure out how to do it. So for now, I got that. Mm. Um, oh man, I, I, I can tell you about all the design ways. <laughs> By the way, the whispering is coming up. In the, like, <laughs> oh, okay. My bad. It's actually cool. Uh, no, but I said he promised that he would get drunk. <laughs> Will you put a disclaimer that a lot of us are drunk? Of course. Joanna. Of course. And no, once it's done, I can play it. And if there's anything, <laughs> oh god, anything you want me to cut or yeah, change or just, like oh, just, okay. just Joanna. Okay. No, I, 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 want every, I want everybody I'm to be comfortable fine. with you know, what I put out there. Oh, Drinking someone dropped something and it wasn't me. It's on really, the record that it wasn't right. me who dropped yeah. something. <laughs> they did a. They yeah, did there a was a, um so. Sidebar: Anthony Bourdain, he just passed away, oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and there was uh, one that was, he was talking about Korea and how he was saying how in Korea, uh, like drinking from a corporate standpoint, yeah. like corporate parties and going out to the karaoke bars and stuff mm-hmm. is like insane. But you know what I've heard recently? Because there's so many white people that work in Korea now, they've stopped that because they have to behave around white people, mm-hmm. so they don't mm-hmm. want to drink anymore. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> wow. That's so I have. I do have. So what? What? Abuse stops once white people come. (laughs) (laughs) That's real. That's interesting. Yeah. So they don't do that anymore. I I don't think that's entirely true, though. Really? Because I. It's one theory. I did work 
three years of corporate Korean world. Okay. As a chemical salesman. Okay. Were there white people in your office though? Was the chemical alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just sold isopropyl alcohol, but it's not. <laughs> okay. It's not the alcohol we are drinking. <laughs> right. Yes, the ninety-one. Um, but I said all that to say, there's nothing practically stops a Korean. Middle-aged man from getting <laughs> drunk. Yeah. Even a white man would not stop. <laughs> maybe don't don't force all the staff to come anymore. Right. That's it. Yeah, right. It's optional now. Which is have? good. <laughs> what is the alcohol of choice? Soju. Soju. Okay. Yeah, we drink more alcohol than Russia. People don't. Oh, that's true. So I want everyone it's true. to know. It's true. It's sold more than any other liquor in the world. I think. Yeah. Okay, so for those at home, know, what is soju? Soju is like a watered-down vodka. Pretty much. But people think it's like less than that, so if you first drink it, it's drunk a lot So it's, it's originally it's made out of rice, but they don't make it out of rice anymore. Really? It's like a chemical. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I've heard potato soju. Uh, artisanal soju? Yeah, no. Fruit flavored soju is so good. It just tastes like yeah. juice. But some yeah. people hate it. No, but fruit like flavored candy. soju, it tastes, oh, because it tastes like candy. Soju. I love yeah. juice. <laughs> they, they also will just like take a watermelon and cut a hole in it, dump oh, a bottle of soju yes! in it, and wait. And then you eat that and get tanked. Yeah. <laughs> tanked. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've done it a lot. It's I don't imagine what soju. So, what is the proof typically for soju? 40? Not even that. 35. Wait, is that the percent alcohol or the proof? No, proof. 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 Okay. Proof. So, it's like. Our proof is 40. It's like strong wine. But yeah, 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 right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the architect of this whole coming together. <laughs> um, so let's wait for the background. Are we? Are we going? Are we? Still going to get no escaping answers this. to the questions? No escaping. I'm waiting for that. <laughs> You're leaving? You don't want to answer the questions? Yeah. Why don't you go first? Why don't you go first? Answer you know the question. seven questions that he. First oh, yeah. Question. First question is 100 Years of Solitude by oh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Oh. Because a girl that I really liked once told me to told me that that's her favorite book. No so way. I read it. My yeah, ex boyfriend's okay. parents met because they were both reading that book on the bus. Oh, yeah. That book's crazy. Well, that's how we got together. Book. I don't know. <laughs> did you actually read the book? Yeah, I did, and I loved it. That was really good. Yeah, well, I don't read fiction. I only, need, I only read nonfiction. That, so that was like my first fiction uh, in wow, a long that's time. That's epic. Yeah. Okay. The first sentence is when Colonel right. something, as he was I'll, I'll leading the firing yeah. squad, he remembered mm -hmm. the first time that he touched ice or something like that. What's his name? Cien Fuego? Family tree, right? Family, but, it's like, but they're Latin American, so all the names are like the same. So it gets right. hard until you get into it. Are you out? I'll see you tomorrow. And I think no, it's introduced mythical realism, too. Uh, Steve with a PH. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Bye, Steve. All right. So four o'clock. Book to add to the library. Um, I'm gonna have to say Lawrence in Arabia by Scott Anderson. So Lawrence of Arabia or uh, uh, Seven Pillars of Wisdom. That was his autobiography of um, T. E. Lawrence. So he was one of the famous uh, majors in World War One in the Middle East. So that's different because everyone thinks about 
World War One with respect to Europe, but most of it, a lot of it was also fought in Africa and the Middle East, mm -hmm. and so it's just a really incredible story, not just of his exploits, but of also numerous other notable characters that influenced the, the war and now the current the current uh, events of the Middle East. So for example, there was uh, there was uh, William Yale of the Yale family who worked for Standard Oil as well as the United States uh, Security of, uh, he's like Secretary of Defense Office or something like that. Okay. Yeah, it was just, uh, it was incredible. Uh, it's multiple different things going on. It's an incredible book. <laughs> Not just in, in so far as narrative, but how it explains the current events of not just like geopolitical events, but also like the actual map in and of itself of the current day Middle East. Yeah. So that's, that's the book I read. All right. The book that I would recommend, I was talking about it earlier, is um, Zombie, spelled Z-A-M-I by Audre Lorde. Um, and it's a mem. She calls it. It's a memoir. She calls. I forget what she calls it, but she calls it a special thing. Um, and her name is spelled A U D R E L O R D E. She dropped the Y in Audrey in like elementary school because she liked how parallel the Audrey and Lord looked. Mm -hmm. And she also talks about how much she loved her body odor since she was a little kid and like just loved smelling her own stench. Wow. So I thought that was real. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love doing that? Am I right? <laughs> she's real. She's smelling herself. That was like page 10. She gets into it. Yeah. She's awesome. She's nice. the one that did the quote, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. That's a more famous essay by her. She's an essayist, like but her memoir is good. All right. Okay. I'm hesitant in saying Matilda because I know, well, I later learned as an adult that Roald Dahl is oh. trash and he was a racist. Mm. But as a kid, it was really important to me that Matilda didn't belong in her world. But I think as a kid reading it, it made me feel more like I belonged in my world. Mm. I'm so nine. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nine o'clock. Um, nine o'clock. Um, I have really liked, since I was 20 years old, um, Into the Wild by Chris McCandless. It has changed my life. Um, I really like outdoorsy stuff. And there's s something romantic about dying in hunger in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Josh. Bye, Josh. I'll see you all again, definitely. Come to no, Chicago. It is, because yeah. it's... Uh, Self-sufficiency. I know. That's that's right. what that's where I wanna be in future. You know, when, when it's all said and done, right? right? All this stuff, all this stuff is just tools to help. Me. He's but stupid though. There's no <laughs> there's no way around it. But you know, it's all about the story though, right? <laughs> and continue. Um. So I'm gonna say two. Sorry. All right. Um, so recently I finished reading um, How to Write an Autobiographical Novel, um, which is a sort of loose set of memoirs by Alexander Chee, C-H-E-E. -E. And he's the first um, queer Korean-American writer to be published in this country. Um, and so his um, book is really about how you develop this story of yourself and, and advice for writing and advice for 
living life. Um, so that was a really incredible read, and I got to meet him recently. Okay. Um, wow. And then also I'll say um, someone who was a very early mentor and has always been a kind of North Star for me, and um, his name is William Melvin Kelly. Um, last name is K-E-L-L-E-Y. Um, and he's an, uh, a black writer from the 60s and onward. Um, he was my writing professor in college, and he was actually in the 60s the first person to uh, coin the word woke oh, really? in its current okay. usage. Um, I would recommend any of his novels. Okay. Well, you got to give one. Dem. D E M. Okay. Dem. All right. And uh, I, I don't think the original person who was sitting at six is at six. That's the shoot tip. Your book. Mm, my book. Oh. Mm. <laughs> She's Pachinko. eating a barbecue chip. Pachinko. Pachinko. Oh, wow. Who said that already? Said no, that already? No, 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 no. Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. Please read it. That's my name. So good. Is it really? My name's Min. Okay, Min. Pachinko <laughs> by Min Jin Lee. Amazing book. Made me think a lot about my ancestors. So just give us a two-second blurb on what. Yeah, so it's like this. Is it fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. So it's fiction, but it is premised on Korean history. Okay. So it starts, I think, in about the early 1900s when Korea was under Japanese colonization. And then it takes this Korean family kind of through Korean history from Japanese colonization to the Korean War to what happened afterwards for many Koreans living in Japan. Oh, sorry. People here that are reading this book currently. Sorry, right sorry. Now. It's an amazing book. So it uses fiction to describe nonfiction. It's historical fiction. That's what I would say. There you go. Um, really, really good book. Made me think a lot about my ancestors, who I have not been able to connect with. One because they're dead, but also two because I can't go back to Korea. Uh, anyways, yeah, really, really amazing book. Yeah. The original one o'clock. Yeah. Book. So I'm not much of a book reader. I'm gonna be honest. Like I need to read more books. I'm very millennial, so I like to listen to things. Um, Don't give millennials. I like to listen to music. I like to watch videos. Do you read the lyrics? Long form, long form journalism. I read things. Yeah. Um. But so the last I remember one book that I really got touched with. Um. It's called The Kite Runner. I'm pretty, uh, you're pretty funny. Right. Okay. So like it's a basic book, right? But. So it's about, seven. Um, so like, it's like, ah, I'm not sure what country, Afghan? Afghanistan. Right, he's, he's an Afghan child. Or it starts off with like, um, is it? Like a kid, it like Afghan. not a kid, but like a teenager, I think. I and, um, seven grade. So he's so. born in Afghan. So, no, but Afghanistan. himself right, is that's like, what I'm saying, but saying Afghan. Uh, compared yeah. to the other Afghanistans in that country. But he has a friend, like who isn't, it's like his servant, because he's like a kid, he's like a prince, then. and um, what's it called, he grows up and like, he's just, it's just, it's the beginning is um, him like learning about his life, he's like a prince, so he's rich, um, so, spoiler alert, okay, no, spoiler no, no, spoiler alert. Okay, I think you should, you should stop there, he grows up and then there's 
Uh, he learns about friendship. He learns about friendship, and then there's a part he grows up, and then he's like an adult, and he, he has a child. And it's like, hey, hey, that's too much. That's too much, man. It's just about friendship. It's literally about his life when he's a kid until he's like a grown up when he has a child. I'm pretty sure your description of the plot is also inaccurate. It's about friendship. You're inaccurate. I'm joking. Hey, don't talk to a woman like that. That is true. No, no, but spoilers are okay. Because, I mean, if someone wants to find out anything, they just go online. Read it. Um, but as long as it explains it, the, the purpose of the spoiler. Yeah, the theme is really about thinking about it. It's about like friendship. I mean, that's basic, but like a true friendship. You know what I'm saying like everyone has friends. Like, I mean, everyone can consider everyone your friends. You know what I'm saying? Like I can consider people around here friends, but are they real friends? You know what I'm saying? Quote unquote Kanye West. Um, <laughs> To go, to, to go from people that you you, you just like you know to saying? people that you care for. Exactly. So in the book, like, there is some sacrifices that are made. And you don't make sacrifices for just people that you've met in college, people that you've met in your work. You don't do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? You make real sacrifices for the people that you love. You know what I'm saying? So, like, within the book, it's about... It's about real friendship. It's about, like, it's about love. Like, you know, wh whatever love is in this world, you know? It's it, that's what I'm it's gonna about. have to cut you off, and though, my guy. So I'm speaking. Um, so who wrote Who wrote Kyron? Khalid Hosseini. Yeah. Khalid Hosseini. 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 So I read that when I was high school. Um, as a high school kid, you know, you don't really have a lot of thoughts. You just read it and you're like, wow, that's good. Okay. Just whatever, yeah. But when you think about it as you're older, you kind of like thinking about it now. It's kind of deep, even though I haven't read it in such a long time. Stuck with you. It stuck with me, yeah. It's like a book that I'll remember. And I need no, to read more books. It stuck with him. I'm like a millennial, so I don't read a lot of books. It stuck with him, and he and didn't even read a lot of books. A question, sidebar. Yeah. Um, how many languages do you all speak fluently? Like each person. Uh, okay. One and a half for me. I would say my Korean's proficient. Mm -hmm. I write fluent on my resume, but proficient. So you're a liar. Hey, peeps, I'm Caroline. I bring Bud. <laughs> oh, God, hold on. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're recording a podcast, by the way. Uh, and we're, what, is your, what is your favorite book? What is a book that you would recommend for people listening to read? I would recommend Cry of the Ice Mark. Bye. Cry of the Ice Mark. Who's it by? I have no clue who it's by. Okay. That really fucking sucks for me to say. But it has a strong female lead, uh, twists and turns, keeps you guessing, and it's like not. Come close to the mic. She's okay. Oh, you're okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, like if you do come closer to the mic, like from a level standpoint. I got you. You know what I mean? It's like, you know. Hey guys, I'm Caroline. Uh, I'm a rando from DC and Chicago. I'm Jay Chillin. Recommending a book. you dick. Uh, recommending a book, Cry the Ice Mark or Lord of the Rings or like The Hobbit. It's always like just classic. Just yeah, just one. Just one. What do you like think of the movie? Them. The movie, I love them. Yes. I mean, I have to go with the original trilogy though, not The Hobbit. So we've been going around this way, clockwise. So now we're on question number two. It's the podcast that we should subscribe to. You asked the podcast. What's your podcast? It's called the Innkeeper's Guest Book. Subscribe to the Innkeeper's Guest Book. Good answer. Podcast. How about you, one o'clock? What was the question? What podcast should the listener? So like the only podcast that I listen to is really like, I'm be honest, like sports podcasts. All good. Just the podcast. I don't really listen too much, but I'll listen to it, like, occasionally, because I'm not, like, the biggest sports heady. 
Okay, so like, what's um, the one that you listen to? What's that guy's name? He's white. Bill Simmons. Yeah, yeah. Bill oh Simmons. God, you got that from? Um, he's white. He's white. Well, well I mean, no, he's no, famous. He's, he's famous. He's, yeah, he's, he's a famous kinda, podcast. He's been doing um, podcasts. I don't listen to him too much, but when I'm like scrolling through like um Facebook or Reddit, I'll see him and I'll be like, oh, I'll listen. Like, there's like a sub head, there's like a headline, like something big, and I'll be like. That's like it's like LeBron James going to the Lakers, and I'm like, hold oh, up, like I want to listen to that. And I'm like, yeah, that's what. Uh, now I'm thinking that the question I, should, I might. Is that somebody over there? Yeah. Um, no, he just went like this. With us. Oh, okay. I'm thinking something I might add. Do, do y'all get on Reddit at all? Yeah, Reddit. Yeah. No, I'm saying. Oh, you I, I don't. Oh, okay. Because yeah. you know Reddit is kind of like the forum to end all forums. Yeah. So what know? do you follow, or what do you subscribe to? Uh, if I were to recommend the podcast right now, uh, outside of my own, of course. Uh, I'm trying to think, like, when it comes up in the feed, I'm like, yeah, I got to listen to this immediately. I want to say Deces and Mero, but I, I, I keep picking them up all the time, but they're really good. But, like, um, but it's, it's, that's, that's not the right one. What do you subscribe to most, though? Like, you look at it often. Like, you're always, like, looking at it. No, I, I would say long-form podcast. That's the one. Oh, okay. I, the daily, I listen to the daily pretty much every morning. Like you don't look at the on basic New York stuff? Times? Like, unexpected or, um, no. like, um, videos? Or you don't look at those stuff? I go to YouTube and stuff. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a very discerning podcaster. Like, Facts. if I, if I subscribe right. to you, man, it's like, dude, you're doing something You have something respect. Right. Well, you're spending time, you know. Exactly. Investing. I almost feel like if I ha- if I subscribe to too many, it's just gonna be too cluttered, and I'm not gonna really listen to any of them. So, is there a podcast that you? Absolutely. Um, can I recommend two? I mean, the, I feel like these are two that everyone's gonna know. Like, there's obviously for me, it's Fresh Air with Terry Gross. Okay. And so far as like an interviewer standpoint, I think she asks questions that I would want to hear, but also questions that I didn't know that. I don't know, like, I never would have thought to ask because she's just such an inquisitive person. Uh, and she's so, see, she's so charming. <laughs> I feel like she can kind of bring the best out of anybody, uh, which is, I think, something that's going on here. You know, like, we're all we're so honest and so cordial. Uh, something I'm rooting for. For the second one, um, insofar as learning not just new narratives, but new concepts and ideas that I never would have thought about is Freakonomics Radio. Okay. And that's hosted by Stephen Leavitt and Stephen Dubner. Um, so they're the guys that did Freakonomics, the book, the movie, and stuff like that. So their podcast details, I don't know, equally as, I don't know, I, don't, I wouldn't want to call them trivial, um, but things that I wouldn't think to investigate, you know, things that aren't necessarily on the headlines. So, for example, uh, they were talking about they were talking about parking and how parking should cost more money to make it a better system for commuters, for example, because you know there's like the supply and demand relationship, and if it costs more, then less people would drive and be incentivized to do it. And then there's also the the idea of how our system, how our cities are engineered and designed so it's just something I never would have thought about but it's so interesting yeah the secondary and tertiary effects exactly. of that yeah, yeah so drive more people to public transit definitely. take bikes all that stuff definitely um, great I don't subs- 
Once upon a time, when the podcast first started becoming popular, things to follow, you had to go to the website or through the app and then download it and make sure you did it at home from your Wi-Fi and whatever. So all of this to say, I never developed that muscle, but I'm going to catch on. No worries. Do you listen to the radio at all? Um, yes, I'll, I'll um, probably listen to uh, the, the new summary on um, NPR. And then I guess no one listens to radio anymore when they're driving. We, we just I turn listen to radio every day. <laughs> I am a 26-year-old. Wow. Okay. Wow. Fun fact, NPR's headquarters, two blocks away. I know, right? saw it. Yeah. I was wondering if that was the headquarters. Yep, that's it. Yeah. And um, what's interesting is that uh, I doubt you'd be able to do it tomorrow, but little, some, most of the time, like a week or two out, they do tour. Well, they do tours every single day at uh, 11 o'clock. Oh, cool. uh, but you have to go online uh, and reserve the tour. Yeah. And so the week of, it would be booked. But typically, like, the week ahead, two weeks ahead. Mm-hmm. So you can go on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next time you come, go to just npr, npr.org slash tours. Mm-hmm. And just follow the clicks sure. and you'll be good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, stop by, say hi to Freddie. Absolutely. <laughs> Freddie. All right. Question number three. Something you didn't know you needed until you got it. Um, yeah. And I, when I when I explain this That's to people, a Reddit question. <laughs> that's like an ask Reddit question, right? Yeah, it is, right? Um, basically, I think about, and this isn't like to promote capitalism or anything like that. It could be something that you didn't have to buy, something that you know. I, I started getting hugs from my mom every day, and then you know what? I realize now that I need that, and I took it for granted before, something like that. Um, but for me, I always mention the Bose Sound Link. I didn't need I just listening to the music and stuff on my phone mm-hmm. and then uh, at a backyard party and we had music and I was like people are just going to listen to it out of their phones mm-hmm. and then I stopped by an outlet store and saw the bows like oh, let me just get this and I did it and it worked great it sounded amazing mm-hmm. and I started using it in the bathroom and I took a shower Showers with music and when I'm cleaning one. one of the bedrooms I can just put it right in the thing and just boom mm-hmm. feels the sound it's like now I can't leave home without. if I travel with it I gotta take it mm-hmm. What about you, Millennial? Damn, okay. Is that my nickname? <laughs> well, you said it like seven times. Okay, yeah, okay. Your nickname is Millennial. Okay, so right? I'll go with technology. Um, I like that. So back then, there was headphones, right? Like, like, what, like what you're using, right? And yeah. what kids these days are using Bluetooth headphones. Yes. So the thing is, there's no wire that connects to your phone. <laughs> That's revolutionary to some old people, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hating on old people, but like... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly, <laughs> precisely. So you got it. You got it. I consider myself a millennial, but I You're consider really myself not. like yeah. I don't want to say woke, but because people, people, because You're a people, digital native. people call me fake woke. I don't want that. Right? So um, people connect them things with them phones, right? With them head jacks. Yeah. But like, the world's changed, and now you can use Bluetooth, which I don't even know how that works, mm-hmm. but I use it. And like um, you just press it on your button, connect it that John with your um phone with your headphones, and it works. Yeah. And like it's crazy how that works. I don't know how it works, but it works. And the thing is, it's so you're like, saying Bluetooth is the thing that you didn't know. Yes. That you needed. So and like, now that you use it, you're I like, just I can't recently live got it. like a like a couple months ago, and like 
now when I like use music, like let's say I'm just walking, so I'm going to class, I walk to another class, I walk to another building, I don't have to connect <laughs> it, like the head jack to my phone. Yeah. All I have to do is press a button, it automatically connects to my phone, which I use Bluetooth on, and then I just go about my day and there's music. Yeah. But there are yeah. cons to it, because you can't really listen to the outside world, you're just focused on your music, which is, I honestly think is, um, sometimes distracting because sometimes you just gotta listen to the world and you gotta listen to what's around you like you're taking a bus you can't just be consuming your own music right you gotta listen to like what's around you people around you you gotta, gotta talk to people around you right gotta be like aware. be where your feet are you know yeah. what i'm saying um you just sounds like that philosophy is the thing that you didn't realize you needed yeah <laughs> actually so i saw that on a rock be where your feet are it's like be where you are you know what i'm saying like yeah, look mind exploded yeah and <laughs> like i remember i would listen like i would listen to music while i'm commuting right it's just a thing that i do but one day i remember i took off my headphones and i'm like so this is what like the world sounds like yeah that's the music. One you, you've been that in like the whole time that's music right there like you listen to music every day right with your headphones whatever like head like um uh what's it called speakers but sometimes you just gotta shut that off and listen to like the world around you and like, damn, that's beautiful in itself. You yes, know what I'm saying? That's people talking. That's, you know, even though it's technology, you know, 21st century stuff, like, that's music, though. Yes. The wind whistling, like, you know, like, the smallest things. People walking, like, those steps you hear. Yeah. People, those side talks you take, that's music right there. Yeah. And, like, I, re I remember I just, like, like took them off one day. Because I think I had, like, less battery, millennial things, right? And I'm like... What the hell? Like I've been missing out on this. So do you regularly schedule? <laughs> like no, I don't. Like that regular schedule, like times where I just take them off. Like, mm -hmm. No, I don't. So, but there are times where I'm just like, there's like I'm listening to too much music, where I need to be like, okay, I'm gonna. You, I, you've reached your stimulus maximum. Yeah, I need to take them off and be like, like, be where my feet are. Feel you. Like be where you are. Like you, you need yeah, to I'm look around. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, no, no, it's uh, no, it's all no, good. It's all good. Maybe so, it's a millennial thought, but like, oh, go ahead. Let, let, what's, yeah, the, what's the thing? Yes. What's, right. what's, my what bad. My bad. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. So, I'll sew into it. Something I didn't know I needed until I got it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm gonna have to say community, and I don't, ju I don't just wait mean the show sense. or <laughs> no, 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 a really good show. Unless there's like an underlying sentiment of having like a community-based. I don't know, like togetherness. Mm -hmm. And I don't just like, we all have a different sense of community, right? Like communities are like, they're different. Actually. There's like primary, secondary, tertiary, uh, all sorts of kinds of uh, communities. But for me, like my whole life, I didn't know any undocumented people. Mm -hmm. And I myself am undocumented. And so going through my whole life, like, you know, you connect with people in all sorts of ways, you know, different shared experiences. but. This is something that is, you know, I don't want to say plagued my, my life, but it has certainly influenced many of the decisions that I'm forced to make that I can't make. And meeting people that have gone through those same things, those same fears of not being able to, uh, those same things of not being able to accomplish the things that, that you want to do due to institutional barriers you know we all have barriers in life but you know fear of deportation fear of being
stripped from your family and from your friends and from a place you call home, you know, because home is where the heart is after all, you know, like, uh, my blood is Korean, but, you know, this is home for me, you know, and so meeting a group like Hana Center, Nakasek, uh, it, it really, like, opened up my, my sense of togetherness, you know, to meet people that shared those uh, the, the, like the most cathartic of things that I've gone through in life and to share those things with people is something I didn't even know was possible because you know my whole life I went through not knowing any people like that so this is this weekend and like the past couple weeks because this is really all new to me as I said earlier I'm not affiliated with them directly but I'm so happy to be here and to be a part of a larger community and to work towards something is just necessary in this time. You know, I can't think of a better time to fight the power, right? You know, fight for our families, fight for our communities, mm -hmm. fight for rights for everyone, because mm -hmm. as like, I'm part of that bike tour as well, citizenship for all. It's not just people that are incredibly talented, you know, like we all deserve to, the right to live where we want, you know, to work where we want, to befriend who we want. It, you know, we shouldn't be stopped by those kinds of barriers that we implement ourselves in our own mind. You said you're 26? 26. Yeah. Um, it's a blessing that you not only have realized that, but realize it at the age that you have. Because there's some people that don't realize that until they're 52. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's some people that have had it all their life that they take it for granted. Mm -hmm. They don't even know not having it to know the, the beauty of having it. Mm -hmm. They've had it so much that right. if at some point they lose it, they don't even know why. They yeah, feel off the way they do. People are so, like, so in pain, you know, and then they either internalize it or they take it out on the world. You know, maybe that's just like a romantic aspect of human nature or naivete, but I think if you don't have community, you know, that's when you lash out and that's when that's the deepest pain because we're inherently social creatures, right? Like that's just how we are biologically, you know? Mm -hmm. our, our fists can be used to build things, to hold things, to destroy things, and it's up to us what we want to do about it. 515. For me, I mean, community is a really good one. I would wholeheartedly agree with that as someone who did not grow up with people that looked like me or shared my experience. Um, but to not steal his answer, uh, hair serum. <laughs> I didn't think I needed it. And then I like took a little bit of my sister's one day and it made my hair look totally different. That? Hair what serum? Hair? I don't know what that it is. It makes it like look more silky. It gets away like uh, a little bit of the frizzes. Okay. I didn't think I needed you it. You frizzy hair? And so, Not totally. Okay. In, in, in the hair washing process, mm -hmm. where does this fit in? I, so I'm someone that does read all of the instructions on these types of things. I really do. Like, face, I'll read the instructions for that. Um, it says to do it when my hair is damp, mm -hmm. but I don't. I do it after I dry shampoo. Wait, so what is it? You don't know what dry shampoo is? Jesus it's goodness. revolutionary. Wait, oh my God. You don't have to go into a shower. You just is it necessary, though? Uh, it's for, so if necessary. I don't wash, yeah, you but you the, shouldn't the, wash the your hair every day. Is, is wet, though. No, it's no. dry. Oh, with the serum itself? Yeah, it's I'm like saying, a little you gel. Spray. The thing I spray comes out, and it's like if it hits your hand, your hand is moist. It's like a little. Moist, right? It's it feels like gel, but not as sticky. 
Okay. It's like smooth gel. It doesn't leave a sticky. I okay. have some. I can. I'm I'm not enlightened. I can give you a pump. <laughs> so okay, is is this for people that have long hair? Or is it just like? I think it's for people that like put extra products in their hair. Oh, for I I'm someone that used to never put anything in my hair. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those. People. Right. Yeah. Now that I'm getting older, <laughs> now I see some of the benefits of it. Now, mm -hmm. I keep it simple. I'm bar soap, dove. <laughs> bar yeah, soap, dove. Dove. <laughs> bar soap. Shampoo. Just keep it Shampoo, simple. Shampoo, soap. Um, That's it. Can yeah. we have a separate conversation about that later? <laughs> <laughs> it's a real conversation, though. People do it. We want to help you. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, I'm just saying, like, I like when it comes to. Uh, you gotta keep it basic. Yeah. Yeah. There's no need for extra things, you know. Uh, thing you didn't know that you need until you got it. Until I got it. And now you can't live without it. Well, I guess it's a thing I didn't know I needed until until I needed it, and that was good health insurance. <laughs> um, you know. I can speak to that. <laughs> things just start to uh, fall apart. You live life and you encounter accidents and you need health insurance. Yeah. And um, it would be great if there weren't, you know, multiple loopholes and, and uh, all kinds of other bizarre rules um, and restrictions, you know, on your fundamental health. Can I, uh, can I jump in? Please do. Uh, sure. So I am um, currently uninsured living in the state of D.C. I have the, Medicaid. The, no, the territory of D.C. Okay. The Yes, the territory, <laughs> the District of Columbia the District, as yes. the territory of the United Yes. Um, but, like, I have Medicaid in Illinois, which means I can only draw health benefits from Illinois, meaning the full two years I've been here, I've been unable to draw any medical benefits unless like I go home for two weeks. I've had a pulled rib muscle for three months. I've been able, I haven't been able to do anything about it. I had pneumonia. I had to fight that off myself because I couldn't literally afford antibiotics to go to a doctor and that fucking sucks. So yeah, good health insurance is under fucking rated because I've suffered for months because I don't have access to health insurance. I, I um, had a conversation with someone recently and I hope I'm quoting this right, but I believe the number one cause of bankruptcy in the United States yeah, is that's medical. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, we can probably think of like family members, like even distant. But it's also like when your health condition like starts deteriorating, like problems just build upon themselves, like getting sick, then getting pneumonia, then pulling a rib muscle, then being sicker because I can't cough out the mucus. Like it just builds on itself. So people who don't have health insurance have like long lasting health problems that are from something that could have been prevented yeah. long, long, long in the future or in the past. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Crazy. That, it also no, plagues long, in, low-income communities the most. Mm -hmm. Thank you for those. Yeah, no problem. And, Thank you. And most people they they they've given me like tangible things, <laughs> and um, they, and I'm I'm so glad you all took the answer to those in, in that direction because that's mm -hmm. great. That's that's really great. Uh, number four. We're on four. Number four. Yeah. Number seven. Yeah, and we that's are. Short we are. A minute 16 in, so we're gonna, we're gonna try to uh, keep these. Uh, keep it tight. Keep it tight, man. Keep tight. it tight. Yeah. Keep it real. Bucket list place to travel. So, to clarify, this oh. is a place that you have been to that you would recommend for someone who hasn't been there to add to their bucket list of places to travel. 
One o'clock. Wow, okay. How about we say this? Where and why? Where and why, all right. Oh, man. Um. All right, we'll come back. Four okay, o'clock. Yeah, give me a minute. Give me a minute. Uh, bucket list place to travel and why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been there. You've been there. You've been there. Mm-hmm. And so you are recommending for someone who hasn't been there mm-hmm. to add this place to their bucket list. Oh, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. wow, I wish I traveled more. I guess that's one of my... <laughs> I had a bucket list place I wanted to go. Um, okay, so somewhere I have been is New York uh, recently, this past October. Mm-hmm. And I stayed in Brooklyn. I traveled around Manhattan. Um, I would highly recommend going to New York. I don't know. There's like this, this idea that New Yorkers are assholes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Stephanie, <laughs> but like that's like a common cliche that's that's said. I did not experience that at all. For example, like the second I got into Port Authority, people were so helpful. Like how how to get uh, the MTA or where I go, which train line I take, why this train line isn't there at a certain time of night. Uh, <laughs> And just everyone was so cordial and nice. Like, I was walking through Prospect Park, and I was just taking photos, because that's what I did for fun. I went there to take photos and just experience the lifestyle there. And this guy comes up to me, and he just notices that I have the camera, and he asked me to take a portrait of him, which I did. And he was so thankful and, and happy with the end result. And we just hung out. We, uh... <laughs> We just, yeah, we smoked up, we just hung out, and like it was over an hour of just hanging out, and and then another person came up, and that person started hanging out with us, and it just, it, it was beautiful. Awesome. <laughs> beautiful. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, said, uh, what New York does is amplifies your, one's natural tendency or whatever. Hmm. So you have tons of people there, right? And if you're a nice person and go to New York, you're gonna be super, super nice. Mm. If you're a mean person, mm-hmm. go to New York, you'll be super, super mean. Facts. Yeah, it's just all it does is just it's like I mean, steroids for yourself. New York, you know, there's so many. Yeah. yeah, there's so many people. So, yeah. so uh, you probably it's good that you ran into the the um the good version of that. Five fifteen. I would say the lower ninth ward. In Louisiana, that was I took a service trip there in 2010. All of the houses were still fucked up, no supermarkets whatsoever. Um, and I would like someone to go visit to see if that's changed because I would bet it has not. And that's where I learned the word institutionalized racism for the first time. Mm. When you say learned by it, you're saying, did you like, did were you not there to know experience the word it, or you're saying some? Oh, oh, didn't yeah. I did not know existed. the word institutionalized racism was a thing. I learned, yeah, that's where I learned about race. That's where I learned that, like, I was a shitty person. Um, went back to school where I go to, where I went to a predominantly white high school and had, like, severe depression just seeing how normalized all of this stuff was. Um, but, yeah, it was supposed to be for food justice. So it was, I went to go volunteer at a, it's a youth-led um, organizing trip. Uh, where they're growing, it was an urban farm um, on North Blair Street, um, and it was employing people of the community to provide food for the people of the community. So it's learning how food is connected to social justice, connected to everything else. Awesome. You gonna leave us right when? Is there is there a pl- right. No, no, no. You can. You, you can I just. I was just gonna say, what's the place, right. real quick? 
I've been to 21 countries, so that's a little bit of a tough question. Okay. I would say New Zealand, one of the most beautiful places. Not only do you get to see Hobbiton from uh, Lord of the Rings, but um, the indigenous culture is absolutely fascinating. The Maori culture with the haka and like, I mean, they have the, the All Blacks rugby team, which uh, does the haka dance every time um, that they play. Um, not to mention that the nature there is hiking, camping, um, like anything that you want to do outdoorsy, like New Zealand is your thing. Culture, New Zealand is your thing. Australia is so close. Fiji is so close. Like once you're there, it takes, it takes 30 hours to get there from yeah. like here. But like once you're there, it's worth it. All right. Yeah. 10, 10. Oh, like Naruto. I recently visited um, New Mexico for the first time. Okay. I did grow up in Arizona um, for a few years as a very young child, um, but otherwise have not been, and Texas, but otherwise have not been, um, really had not been exposed to the Southwest. And so we went to New Mexico and- um, What city? What city? Oh, where? like what, what part of New Mexico? So we uh, landed in Albuquerque, that's convenient. And then we drove to Santa Fe, which is a beautiful and weird city town, and then we drove to Taos, um, which is a desert town a couple hours north of Santa Fe, which has a ski mountain. So if you go in the winter, you can live in the desert, but then also go skiing. Okay. And then the, the landscape is just incredible when you look out on, from the road and, and see the mesas, and then of course it, you know, inspired so many indigenous artists as well as George O'Keefe. Okay. Um, New Mexico. I figured it out. I'm back, yeah. Um, it's a little long. Is that okay? <laughs> no, we're keeping it tight. Keep yeah. me it tight. All right, I'll keep it tight. My legs are going to bend I try to keep it tight. I don't want to leave seems rude, but my legs are going to bend Yeah, yeah so, so yeah, it'll be interesting, though. So okay. keep a, keep the mosquitoes going. But um, So I just recently went to came to Chicago for an internship, right? Um, I was born on the outside skirts of Philadelphia, so suburbs, a lot of white people. Okay. I'm Asian, I'm Korean, right? So um, Chicago's where it is? But, no, okay, uh, yeah, Chicago, so okay. I'll start with that. Um, so, I, I came to the south side of Chicago, right? So I'm, I'm like, the place where I'm organizing at, or the organization, Macasac, is in the north side of Chicago. A lot of white people, friendly, safe. Um, there was an event at Southside, first time I went, right? Um, and I went down there all by myself. Okay. Like an hour 20, like, commute. What? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I went down there and I was like, I've been in Philly, like North Philly. Like, so wait, Chicago's the place? Or Chicago's, the, the place? Chicago's the place. Okay. So, um, so why? Why is why the place? Know? Because um, people that are privileged, I'll say I'm privileged. Okay. I am a minority, but okay. I'm privileged. Gotcha. Um, I'm low middle income, but... Gotcha. There's still aspects where I think that, like, I'm a citizen, you know? Um, other people aren't citizens, other people are undocumented, other people suffer more discriminatory things than so I do. So why Chicago? Why Chicago? Um, if you are privileged, I think you should go down to the south side of Chicago and see how segregated it is. So kind of along the same lines. Similar, yeah, saying. because when you're so privileged and you go down there, I think for me, um, I come to the United States and, and I go I go to I'm like from around a lot of white people so I never 
I'm a minority, right? There's a lot of white people. I'm Asian. I'm Korean. I'm a minority. Yeah, I go it's, to it's, it's pretty much echoing the okay, same thing. I go, to, I go down to the <laughs> south side. A lot of black people. I'm still a minority. Um, so, that's so a, south side Chicago. That's a, that's okay. a tangent, but yeah, south side Chicago. Because awesome. you you really see them if you're privileged, if you're white, um, if you live in the suburbs. You it it causes you to confront your your the implicit biases that you may not. Yeah, know exactly. About. You're just kind of like you're shook and. Even though I am minority, I lived in these suburbs. I breathed it, um, you know. Okay. I, I lived it, and and then I come down to. I mean, I've been in the. I've been in Philly, the city. I've been in North Philly, you know. I've been in parts where, it's, Man, it's not the most, <laughs> It's not the most um, wealthy area, and I think just going down to South Side Chicago, I was. First of all, I was a minority, and but then second of all, I was just kind of. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. I was, I was shook. Yeah. So Stephanie, we're, come we're back. To, we're going to do this. We're, we're trying, we're trying <laughs> to get to the Yeah, okay, Southside Chicago. Because <laughs> this is the most patient yeah. I've been in a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, so how about we just do your two so you don't get... Uh, yeah, that's my answer. 50-mile detour restaurant. Where is it at? Uh, Blue Bay Diner on Johnson Avenue in Riverdale. Explain. Okay. Uh, my mom says that's her favorite restaurant, and I think that's cute. R- it's like Riverdale a where? Riverdale in the Bronx, New York. Okay. Um, and uh, what's the dish that you got to get there? That's a fact. I, I don't even remember getting a dish. Get the French fries. They're skinny. Shoestring. Perfect. Uh, what's your 50-mile detour 50 restaurant? Mile, uh, go, can you go back to this uh, thing about it? Okay. 50-mile okay. detour restaurant? Oh, gosh. Uh, there's a there's a small Mexican restaurant in, I think it's Sh- Sugarbush or somewhere near Sugarbush Mountain in Vermont. Okay. And they have really amazing seitan. I don't know <laughs> what they put in this, but it's obscene. So what is seitan? Um, seitan is wheat gluten, so it's the protein part of wheat. Okay. And so it's basically, the seitan is like the substitute for what would be the filling of um, it's It's, yeah, it's served as the sort of um, substantial part of, of, of a taco. Of a Vegan taco meals. or a burrito or... Gotcha. Yeah. I got you. Gotta right. keep it short and sweet. Yo, What's the name of the restaurant? I was right. born in the suburbs outside Philadelphia, Broomall, Pennsylvania. Yo, there's a there's a Chinese restaurant that my family always went to. It's called Garden China. Okay. Like literally, we would always just call from there and be like, let me get that General Tso's chickens and that lo mein. What's, wh- where? Like where, what's it's, the city? It's in, outside of Philadelphia. Okay. Broomall, Pennsylvania. What's the street it's on? Um, street. I think Sproul Road. I'm not even sure. Okay. I don't and even know. General So Chicken is what we need to get, right? General So Chicken, <laughs> low main. You gotta get fried rice if you want, but like white rice is if you want, yeah. Okay. But like, it's awesome. just classic Chinese food. Yeah. 50 mile detour restaurant. Your favorite restaurant? Oh shit, Jack in the Box. Nice. Well, no, it's not. It's not necessarily the favorite restaurant. <laughs> I'm saying, so the the whole idea of the 50 mile detour restaurant is that you're going from point A to point B, yeah. and you're within 50 miles of this restaurant. Jack in the Box. Okay. <laughs> Either that or Waffle House. You did. Because, like, I mean, like, up Waffle here, like, I'm from Chicago, and, like, even here, like, we have no Jack in the Box. We have no Waffle House. That's, like, a southern thing. But, like, they're fucking so good. I, I haven't been to Waffle either. Waffle House will change your life. Yeah, it Waffle was House Waffle is House. It's Waffle Home. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Now we're on the home stretch. We're gonna we're gonna save you for last because I know I know you I know you got I know you I know you have some, yeah. Yeah. some deep 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 insights yeah, on this one. For sure. What's your number one talent? Um, something you have an innate. Honestly, innate is like talking back. I'm good at arguing. Okay. Yeah. Number one talent. 
that's not a talent. Everything's a talent. Uh, I'm I'm told that I have ex ex an expressive face. <laughs> talent. You didn't have to work at it, did you? <laughs> no, in fact, I worked to suppress it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number one talent. All right, yeah, I've been told that I'm welcoming. I don't All know right. if that's true, but yeah. um, hmm. that's good. I've had, I, yeah, I don't know. I've just heard that, so I'll just put it there. Perfect. Right. Last, certainly not least, number one skill. This is, is your this something that craft. you craft. I'm pretty good at reading for a long time. Reading okay. books, like yeah. literature. Yeah. So it's 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 the length of it or the speed? I guess the focus and length and speed. Okay. I'm a pretty fast reader, but I have a good memory. Have you? finished a book in one sitting on the toilet I don't sit on the toilet for that long because that's not good but I have I, it's not it's really not so I actually don't read on the toilet because I don't want to stay there for a long not time even your okay. phone. that's not reading I'll, yeah, I'll scroll but uh, the last book that I read in one sitting that I can remember is I, re I reread the giver okay yeah Ooh, and I read I like it in one book. sitting yeah. that used to be one of my questions by the way what's the what's the book what's the last book that you read oh really rewrite yeah, yeah the giver yeah. be it for me Actually, that's I reread Animal Farm recently. So that's the most recent one. Yeah. All right, number one skill. Um, I'm a pretty good um, organizer. Okay. Um, sort of try to hide it, but you know, like if I go into a, a hotel or something and I don't think the towels are rolled just right <laughs> or whatever, I really do neurotically fix things, clean things. Is that innate? Or learned? It's got to be innate. No one taught so me. She's yeah, so she's got nice. So that's that's, that's talent. Skill, then. Yeah, that was her talent. Damn. So physically organizing things and not necessarily organizing a group of people to do a task. I'm not sure I'm cut out for the latter. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then skill. Something that you worked at. Something I worked at. Whether consciously or unconsciously. Come back to me. Okay. Number one skill. Number one skill. Um... All right, we'll go to my man. Okay, Number one for skill. Sure. Um, he wants to do talent as well. He okay, so what's the talent? We'll come. We'll go. Singing. Really? See, you <laughs> yeah. never worked at it. Like you um, just. Not really. Okay. Um, my my dad is musically inclined, as is my mom. Okay. So I think I don't know if those things like running in the family. Go, I don't know how that goes. How much of it is actually cultivated? Okay. But yes, I th I'd say singing. Okay. Uh, in so far as skill goes um, I think photography Ooh. I think that is a skill set because um, <laughs> in order to compose uh, a good photo you not only have to be prepared technically within the camera like how to set all the proper settings and such but also to have the foresight to see that a certain moment is coming and then you have to actually frame the camera so all those things coming together is um, things that I've had to learn. And the idea of what makes a good photo, like the, the aesthetic of beauty is something that I've cultivated after, I don't know, I think my experiences as however I identify myself, uh, I think those came into play as well as my own influencers, direct influencers within photography. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Number one skill. All right, number one skill. Um, Able to uh, be in the moment. 
I'm able to be in the moment. I enjoy um. Be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. I, I, I saw that from a rock. Um, shout out to Northwestern University. Um, <laughs> there, it was on a rock, and I was like, wow, that's deep. So. Northwestern University is why I'm in this country. Damn. Really? Yeah, my father. So shout out to NW. So my father can Go Wildcats. Okay. And that's kind of like our immigrant story. Facts. Be where your feet are. That's great. That's my talent. Michael Wilbon's al- al- alma mater, right? Oh, uh, pardon the interruption. Michael Wilbon. Uh, so there's a show on ESPN called Pardon the Interruption. Yeah. Uh, two old guys argue with each other. Uh, he on Toronto uh, Yeah, and the, the black That's guy, funny. his name is Michael Wilbon. He was a Washington Post uh, uh, columnist mm. for a very long time. Mm. Uh, but sorry, sidebar. Um, <laughs> did you say skill? I can't remember. Copy editing. Okay. Oh. All right. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a very yeah. wide-reaching wow. edition you, of the Innkeeper's Guest Book. Thank you. Thank you for uh, joining us. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. Thank those at home for listening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we'll see you next time. The oh, wait, hold on. My apologies. Okay, so social media or website, if Aww. anyone wants to look up anything about what mm-hmm. we talked about, mm-hmm. where should they go? Hashtag value our families. And please call your elected officials and demand a Clean Dream Act. You can also search at N-A-K-A-S-E-C on any social media or at A-A-L-D-E-F. Okay. I'm going to have to be selfish and (laughs) (laughs) put out my own website, (laughs) which is www.glowharn.com, G-L-O-H-A-R-N.com. My Instagram handle is the same title. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, go follow. Nakasak, N-A-K-A-S-E-C, um, helping Koreans or just Asians or minorities in general with social justice, economic, political justice around the world. All right. Um, yeah. And uh, an email, email address for Nakasak. Or Info at A-A-L-D-E-F dot O-R-G. Perfect. I'm Thank you much, yeah. and we'll see you next time. All right, see y'all. Thank you, G-O-T everyone. Peace, peace.